me ask you, how's your eyesight these days? You know, um, if I'm honest, mine is not what it used to be. I think that's true for a lot of us. And you probably witnessed it, maybe if you are in the service last week. I was about ready to read uh, from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And the benediction, right? And I'm reaching around for where are my glasses? And out of my head, I thought they might be here. Nope, not there. Actually, in my pocket, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't find it. So I finally pulled the thing up and squinted, you know, to read the passage. Uh, my eyesight is not what it used to be. So again, I want to ask you, how is your eyesight? See, because Jesus is going to ask us about this. That really is not necessarily about our, our physical eyesight, not our ability to read an eye chart and get down to the smallest print. It's going to be about our spiritual eyesight and how we see, how we see the world around us, how we actually see Him. And it's going to have less to do with the light that's coming in through our physical eyes and what's really shining out of us from our eyes, if you will. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. If you have your Bibles, you might want to crack it open to uh, chapter 11 of Luke. But I'd like to pray for us before we get into this, this message today. So Lord Jesus, we pray that you will shine your light into us and open our eyes that we might see you for who you really are and see ourselves for that and that you would do your work in our hearts and our lives. Uh, that we might know you, that we might follow you, that we might shine you to a world that desperately needs you. And so, Lord Jesus, it's your name I pray these things. Amen. So we, here we are in Luke chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. And Jesus is saying this, this conversation, No one lights a lamp and puts it in place where it will be hidden, or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines its light on you. You know, they say that the eyes are the window to the soul. And that's kind of a little bit in the direction Jesus is heading today. In Mideastern culture, in fact, they would say what is coming out of your eyes is really a conduit to what's happening in, in, inside. In fact, in kind of a negative example is uh, the fact that many, it's a superstition that someone can give you the evil eye. And they wear, they wear an amulet to, to fend that off. See, someone giving you an evil eye, giving you a, a bad look out of anger or jealousy or selfishness or, or stinginess and is thought to bring you a curse somehow, that the look will bring a curse on you. Bad things will happen to you. Well, it happens every, all the time when we're driving up down Highway 52, right? Someone cuts you off, you give them the evil eye. 
or the stink eye, as I like to call it here. But Jesus is shedding light on more than just giving somebody a dirty look. He's really calling us to take stock of what's going on inside of our heart and our mind. And again, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know the context is a confrontation Jesus is having with some of his critics. Jesus is demonstrating that he is bringing the kingdom of God. In fact, he does so by casting out some demons, people, I should say, spirits that are in line with the devil or Satan himself, and they say he's doing it through the prince of demons. And Jesus rebukes them and tells them in verse 20 that actually the kingdom of God has come upon them to which they must respond. And if you were here last week, we talked about in verses 29 through 32 that Jesus is a sign. He's a sign that people need to pay attention to. He's a sign that... He is a warning sign that God is serious about sin and it's going to punish it. And they need to repent and turn towards God just as the people of Nineveh did with Jonah when he preached against them, to turn to God. We also saw that Jesus is a sign that God is at work. And it's a call to align ourselves with God and His purposes and what He's doing just as the Queen of Sheba came and saw the wisdom that God had given to Solomon, what God was doing in Israel. And yet, in both cases, Jesus is greater than Jonah. Jesus is greater than Solomon. So, today, this passage is a call to look within, to have some introspection. And here's the main thing I want you to go home with today. That what shines inside of us will eventually shine out from us. What shines inside of us will eventually shine out from us. And so, <laughs> Jesus highlights, his first words are highlighting the purpose of a lamp in verse 33. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he, they put it on its stand so that those who come in and see it, excuse me, that those who come may see the light. Jesus had said something earlier in chapter 8, verse 12. But he's not talking necessarily in this passage about hiding the light. Rather, he's talking about the purpose of a lamp is evident. It's elevated, it's put up there, so it will shine. It will bring light. But here's where Jesus harnesses this light lamp metaphor. See, Jesus is this light that shines in the world, into our darkness. And darkness in the Scripture represents evil or ignorance. Two prophecies in this Gospel that already talk about this, how Jesus was this light. Found in chapter 1, verses 78 and 79, Zacharias, who happens to be John the Baptist's father, talks about this in verse 78, saying, Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness, that evil, if you will, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into a path of peace. And then, just one chapter further, a man named Simeon who meets Jesus as a baby in the temple. He says this, chapter 2, verse uh, 32. 
which is actually a quote from Psalm uh, 40, excuse, Isaiah 49.6, that he will be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Again, to dispel the ignorance and the glory of your people Israel. What Jesus is getting to is the light is shining. The kingdom of God has come. How are you going to respond? How are you going to reflect Him? How are you going to shine for Him? And in this case, Jesus and His critics, He's issuing them a warning. Again, to call them to look inside. In verse 34, talking about their eyes as the the lamp of the body, but when they are unhealthy... Your body is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. See, Jesus' critics were already heading down a pathway of darkness. These were supposed to be religious, godly men, and yet they they were turning a blind eye to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the light who brings the kingdom of God to light men's hearts and minds. But they are starting to sacrifice their own integrity with their accusations. Saying, well, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. They had no proof. They had no real case for that. But they had to relegate him, they had to slander him, to relegate him to being irrelevant, to being of sham. You know what's interesting to me? Is when Jesus finally is arrested finally is put on the cross, finally is brought before Pilate, these men, these spiritual leaders who lead the people, they have to make up false accusations to have the stuff stick. And it still really doesn't stick if you read the Bible. But they know good and well that God's command was not to bear false witness. And yet they were willing to impugn their own integrity because they were fearful of what Jesus might bring. They were heading down a pathway of darkness because they were fearful of Jesus. Again, Jesus is saying to these men who who are his critics, consider the darkness that's emanating out of you. You're not displaying even intellectual integrity for what you know. And we're going to see that a little bit later in this chapter. But here's the practical application. If you are investigating who Jesus is, if you're, if you're really seeking what he claims to be, I just want to say this. Take care. Take care not to be lazy or intellectually dishonest in buying what the popular culture has to say about Jesus. Because we really do a poor job of it. Oftentimes our culture says, Jesus was just a myth. He's just a mythical person that somehow a whole movement is following. I saw a... (laughs) I can't believe everything on the internet, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I was watching a, a thing on how Alexa will give answers, right? And they said, who is Jesus Christ? And Alexa said, Jesus Christ is a mythical person from history that people want to follow. And it's like, what? Wow. Now, I, you can't say that's true of everybody. 
But that's what our popular culture is doing. Or to say that, yeah, he, he really did exist, but he was just a good, good man, a good teacher. He never really claimed to be God. Well, if you read the record, that seems to be in conflict. And here's what I want to say. If you're really searching for who Jesus is, do a little bit of due diligence. Do a little bit of digging, and you'll find out that Jesus, indeed, is a historical person. There's a huge trunk of evidence for that. And look at what he had to say about himself. And then draw your conclusions. Because what he claimed, no other could, person could claim, unless he was crazy, he was a malevolent liar, or he is actually the person who he says he was. Don't fall into the trap of following what our culture says. Proverbs 18.3 says, A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but only delights in airing his own opinions. Don't be a fool. Seek for real understanding. Make sure your heart and mind are not heading down a pathway of darkness. For Number two, for those who were positively seeking him, and, and there were people in the crowd that were going, yeah, I like this Jesus guy. I like him. They're positively disposed to him. But understand, ultimately, the kingdom of God is not good advice, and I've said this before, it's not a self-help program. The gospel is good news. It's what he's come to do, to change history, to come, live, die, and rise from the dead. And here's the thing. You may be a positively, positively um, poised toward Jesus, but if you look inside, you still can find darkness there. What he wants to do is come in and shine his light and transform you. Let his light shine in you. Yes, and what he's done in going to the cross to pay sin's penalty and rising from the dead. But also to let him come in and transform you and give you the new life that he brings. See, it's not just the legal requirements that Jesus brought in going to the cross. It's the fact that he comes in and makes you a new creation. Jesus called it being born again. Paul called it being a new creation. But letting that light shine in us and change us, transform us. The Apostle Paul explains this, this light like this in his second letter to the Corinthians, verse 4, 5 through 6. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. Look, folks, we're not promoting ourselves. We're promoting Jesus, what he does. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us light and the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. If you're seeking Jesus... He's not just a good example. He's the one you have to come and let His light shine into your life and let, you, let Him transform you. And then there were those who believed Jesus, who 
the light had already shined in their hearts, so to speak. And that really came to full fruition after Jesus had died, had risen from the dead. And I think many of us can identify with this, but this is a call to continually keep our eyes on Him and let Him shine. Rather than let the darkness be found in us, besmirch Him shining out of us. You know, if you put your faith in Jesus, His light has come to to shine in us. That's true. But we're still getting all the other messages of this world, right? That cause us to doubt Him, to cause us to have our eyes on something else. I guess the the best thing I can think of as as an example is my pickup truck. You see, for about a year and a half, I was driving around, and there was no heat coming out of my heater system. It wasn't the thermostat. It wasn't the other things. It was my heater core. If you don't know what the heater core is, it's this this place that's buried way within your your dashboard. It's really difficult to get to. But if that thing is gunked up, it's not going to radiate any heat into your, your car, your vehicle. And so this week, with the help of Josh Curran and uh, Cliff Johnson... We flushed that bad boy out. And there was a lot of gunk. There was a lot of gunk. And that got flushed out. And you know what? We started up again, ran it, and that thing is like Africa in my car. <laughs> I mean, i got to turn it down these days. That's oftentimes what happens to our souls, to our hearts. We are gunked up. We're gunked up. We've got the darkness gathering around and Jesus is not allowed to shine. And when I say darkness, I mean things that are contrary to God's Word, contrary to God's character. How does that darkness affect us? What are those things? Well, they're oftentimes messages from the world, right? You look at advertisement. Our whole advertisement system is based on dissatisfaction. You have to have the newest, the latest, the greatest. Really? I need a new iPhone? It's going to cost me $1,000? Just because my new one doesn't have this or that gadget? Look at media. Media oftentimes, especially news media, we're vilifying this group And we're praising this group. And oftentimes the truth is probably somewhere more in the middle. Or even social media. I see people's expressions and they're focusing on fear and darkness. And then the entertainment industry. Look, I'm not here to, to tear down every form of entertainment. But I am saying, you know... It just seems that what we find entertaining oftentimes is the number of action scenes and how many people get killed. Or, or on the other hand, the romantic idea is that I need to follow my heart. That becomes the ultimate arbiter, right? And we find ourselves buying into it rather than it being God and His Word and His character. In, in fact, God tells us in His Word 
that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then there's just the darkness in us personally, right? Our own selfish desires, our desire to have things our own way. And then if you add adversity in there, that makes it difficult. And sometimes we're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. How many of you were out snowblowing yesterday, right? Anybody? This is just me. Oh, okay, there we go. You know, so I got out there with the snowblower and was helping some folks out. And I noticed one neighbor, and they had driven out quickly, you know, gotten out. And I said, well, you know, I guess I could be a nice guy and, and blow out their driveway. That, that'd be great, you know. And I, I was starting to do it, but, you know, time was ticking, and I was like, i got to get this done, and the rest of the day is coming. And I, I, I did get it done. And I looked back, and I, and I started wrestling with myself. And I went, oh, I, I didn't do the best job I could do. But it's better than what he was coming home to. And I started having this argument about how this person was going to accuse me of doing a terrible job of blowing out his driveway. And I'm just going, wait a minute. I was just trying to do this out of being out of love, of, of being a good neighbor. I was wrestling with my own darkness in there. Has anyone been there? Yeah. Again, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Again, we can fix our eyes on anger, bitterness, jealousy. But the question Jesus is saying is, can you fix your eyes on me rather than the other thing, the gunks that's, that's getting in our heart? And Jesus says, see to it, verse 35, then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines on you. See, what we focus on is what we reflect. What we focus on is what we reflect. We need to get our eyes back on Jesus. What He's done, what He's going to do when He returns, and what he's doing in us right now. He wants to shine out of us, folks. In the good, the bad, the ugly that's coming our way. He wants to shine in us and through us. We have to keep our eyes fixed on him. Continually cleaning out the gun, cleaning out the darkness. Let me ask you. Are you fixing your eyes on Jesus to have the right view of life? Because He's come into our lives, changed us, and said, now I want you to shine that hope to a world that desperately needs me. Or are we just kind of putting our head down saying, no, no one wants to hear that. Or putting our head down saying, I don't have time for that. Are we willing to love them? Are we willing to point them towards Him? And ultimately to find our joy in Him. Coming out of Christmas. We just came out of Christmas. Let me ask you this question. Were there moments within Christmas where you genuinely found your joy in Jesus? Or was it just the trappings of that whole thing? Jesus wants to burn away the dross that's there and show us the gold of Himself, that we might find our hope in Him. So let me bring to the mind of you these words out of Hebrews chapter 12. 
using a different metaphor of a race, but same principle here, fixing our eyes on the right thing. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Is Jesus your focus? Who He is? The truth of who He is? And what are some, what are some things that you use to do that? For me, you know what I do? I write myself cards. These are, these are truths of Scripture that I read to myself, to preach to myself, to remind me the truth of, of who Jesus is, to find my joy there. The music I listen to, or even a podcast, but to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And then I try and have encouraging conversations with other believers who I'm encouraging them and they're encouraging me. That helps us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And the more honest, really, the better. And then to serve. You know, we're the most miserable creatures when we have our eyes fixed on ourselves. When I serve somebody else, it makes, it helps me understand it's not about me. And I have an opportunity to make a practical difference for somebody. But we need to let these things shine in us in order that they might shine out of us. That's what Jesus is trying to point us toward today. But we might have better eyesight, if you will, and let Him shine. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask the worship team to come and close us here. Hmm. Lord Jesus, would you shine your light within us? If there's somebody who's still wrestling with who you are, would you give them the grace to seek you for who you truly are, Lord? Lord, if there's somebody who's attracted to you, Lord, today, by what you say or what you do, would you give them the grace to invite you in, that you might have your way and transform them into a man and a woman who's more like Jesus. And then for those of us, Lord, who, who already know you, would you give us grace? to take a hard look inside and and show us those areas where we're letting the darkness affect us, gunk us up, where we're not radiating who you are. Would you help us to eliminate those things and to fix our eyes on you? We need you. We ask that you come and reign in our hearts and our lives and be glorified and shine through us. Lord Jesus, in your precious name, I pray these things. Amen. Let's stand as we respond in worship, please.